listen to this great other show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination, eat, drink. A monster sandwich. Little plates that definitely aren't tapas. And that delicious sweet wine, port. I'm Brent Peterson. Join me in Porto, Portugal for a culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California. Welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. All right, I don't know, pretty weak. Yeah, that's that's the carafe. We're, you know, we're still trying to get our power back here in Sonoma. That's exactly right. (laughs) Hello? Can you hear us? Hello? Hello out there, planet Earth. How many zombies did you guys kill? Dude, the purge. It was fun. You know, I hadn't... (laughs) It was so crazy leaving here Tuesday and and driving by all the gas stations and seeing just cars lined up for miles, like... I mean, hour-long waits to get gas on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, and I mean, I guess people didn't realize that they could just drive to Petaluma and get gas. I don't know. Well, That's even, what I did. What we thought was so funny is the next day I'm taking Abby to school, and we're pat- I must have passed five gas stations with you know two cars and right. Well, like, what were we doing? Normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday morning, I went for a bike ride, and it was eerie how quiet it was because Highway 12 was somewhat busy. You know, the construction was still going on and Arnold Drive was busy and, you know, but with everybody stopping very nicely at stoplights. Yeah, people um, are so stupid at stoplights. <laughs> stop but, sign. But everywhere else, right, a stoplight is just a stop sign when it's not working. Um, but everywhere else, it was just dead. I mean, just dead. It was like everybody was just in their house. It was very strange. In their house in the dark yep. with no internet. Yep. Staring at their walls. I know, I use my phone their- so much more than I normally do. Right. That was weird. Yeah, staring at your phone as opposed to staring at something else. At the right, television. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know what I did love about it is, like, Dane and all his friends, they were off school. They just hung out on the plaza all day. and Like the old days. Yeah, yeah. Just dirtbag kids running around Sonoma with right. nothing to do. Until, a rock. until right. I, did, I did hear that a bunch of them went down to um, uh, MacArthur Place because the coffee shop at Layla had a charging center, and right. so they were hanging out there hanging charging. Out and charging their phones. Yeah, I'm sure that's... Yeah, you know, four-star hotels is where <laughs> feral children in Sonoma Valley hang out when that's the power's out. <laughs> that was the, was, that was the like, emergency relief center? Yeah, kind of. That, well, that's you know the next building. That's right. right. I heard that they actually had generators, so the entire property was open, and right. um, that's where they were sending... Anyone that had a restaurant that closed on the square in Sonoma was sending people to MacArthur Place. So I'm sure they had a good. You know, MacArthur Place. Maybe you know Layla's still trying to get their feet under. Maybe they orchestrated this whole thing to right. get people in there. There you go. Glen Ellen Star is doing uh, yesterday and today doing a rare lunch service. Right, pizzas in the front yard. Yep. Yeah. Pizzas on Arnold Drive. Yep. Yeah. Well, Gordon LeFig was doing that yesterday at Roche. Yep. Yeah. Everyone just getting rid of some food, man. And then a Taco bunch of free tricks. ice cream yeah, f- all around just the square. Throwing ice cream scoops at everybody right. until yeah. it melted. So it's the new norm for October, third year in a row. I mean, that, I guess that's the question is, is you know, when's the next time right. that they're actually going to do this? And that, You know, the thing that I was driving back into town yesterday, 
watching the helicopters inspect like the big high tension lines out on Highway 37 and Stage Gulch, and and it's like, all right, I get it. The top of Cavedale Road, it's w- wooded and and steep, and it's like you know little lines feeding these houses, but this infrastructure is so bad that like the the entirety of the system, the the transmission lines, like the backbone of it all, they're worried about. So they, I, I don't know. This is it's this. It can't be the solution, but yeah. apparently it's all they got right now. Well, I mean, they buzzed my house a couple times, and right. um, I just when well, that I, makes sense, like those lines up there, Diamond A. But do you really think that they can tell that there's a wire from those altitudes? That there's actually a wire down? Like, I wonder. Maybe they got binoculars. Maybe. Maybe I mean, they just you know are. I'm sure they're smarter than we are. Heat sensors so. or something that shows. Maybe you know maybe what I mean? it's some sort of heat. I don't know infrared. Uh, you know. I'm sure they got something. <laughs> I hope so. Harvest, I mean, the Harvest 2019 will be remembered as the blackout The blackout harvest. harvest. You know? That's better than remembered as the fire harvest. Right. Well, can, so. let's talk about, because Sam and I just chatted briefly yesterday about, but what exactly does it mean not to have power for basically 48 hours when you're in the middle of harvest? Uh, well, you know, it, it all depends. Most of the wineries now, since 2017, have figured out some sort of backup power. So, um, yes you know, and no. yes and no, right? I mean, there's some like essential stuff that if you have fermentations going, you have to be able to um, cool you your know, tanks down. Yeah, exactly, maintain temperatures. Um, but, you know, winery, you know, winery work, crushing, pressing, that takes a lot of juice. It takes a lot of electricity. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of the backup power uh, went to you know, kind of maintaining, and a lot of people put harvest on hold. Um, and the other thing we were just talking about before we started recording, um, where, what, 80% of the wine in Sonoma Valley at this point is made uh, in an industrial complex out on the edge of town, A Street East, um, which even if the wineries themselves had backup power, the whole complex water system didn't have backup power, and so they're still not at full, you know, we've had power back for... 12 hours or so now um, but they're still not at full operation out there and you know this is you know we're talking about Stone Edge Farm 16600 and now Dane Cellars and McLaren and yeah and I mean large, large wineries a Bedrock Bedrock Three Sticks Ledson yeah and these are these and then there's the custom crush places that have 20 or 30 different wineries yeah, they go to the inspectors they're, they're looking right now. for lines right now <laughs> They turned it all back on, so hopefully <laughs> nothing to look at. But but yeah, because they you know wastewater treatment is done with enzymes, and it's a natural quote unquote natural breakdown of of the solids. And so with not being able to process the breakdown, um, it just sits. So then everything has to catch up. So yeah, they've shut down some wineries still from processing, even though they have power. Um, and so it's a problem, you yeah. know. It's a problem. Well, in storage, we were worrying about Grosskopf. How it, yeah, I mean, yeah. they they have a hundred million dollars of wine in that warehouse, so it's got to be they had to have had some sort of backup. Well, power but for, see, also remember, a lot of those places aren't even don't necessarily even have um, chilling, cooling. A lot of it's night air. Um, so at night what, the vents open and they bring in the cold air and then the buildings are so well insulated that they hold the temperature. That's what Paul said when we went to go pick up wine last time. He's like, look around at this place. This place is naturally cooled. Yeah. 
So, but the the issue there is is I mean the good thing is is that during this wind event it was not hot per se so it wasn't like that was working against them Um, but still you weren't able to use night um, night air because you have to be able to turn on the fans and open the vents yeah so it's it's a major pain in the ass and and And, and why does it feel like it's just the areas that have gone through (laughs) the fire that are the ones that are suffering from this i i mean i think that's because it is. I mean, uh, you know, the entire sort of corridor of the Mayakamas Mountains on both sides, you know, where the the nuns fire, where the tubs fire affected were the places that they were the most concerned about, I guess, and, and shut down first and seemed to have, like, turned back on last. Um, you know, and, yeah, there's that sort of extra triggering effect. I think that's why the panic that ensued on Tuesday afternoon and, you know, hour-long gas lines um, because this was literally the two-year anniversary of of the 2017 firestorm. So, you know, uh, definitely rattled a lot of people. Um, and, you know, not to mention shut down a lot of businesses. A lot of money um, being lost. You know, a lot of money being lost. All those, you know, every grocery store had to get rid of all their perishables you know our buddy garrett at west you know west burgers where they're you know grinding and and butchering meat on a daily basis and serving it fresh they're even though their power's back on they're not you know they're still another 12 hours from opening so they can get their coolers cold again and and get all the the meat broke down so yeah we're uh, not open at the fairmont i got a text this morning saying we're not doing dinner service tonight and I, what I wonder is where did all those people go? Like you can send, how many of them can you send to the Lailing. Fairmont in San Francisco or to the so was Claremont the ho- in Berkeley? The, ho- the hotel was shut down. Yeah. Whoa. Right. I mean, you know, that's where did those people go? That also means that they're not here buying wine and exactly shopping at right. their stores. And yep. Um, so we sent them away. They wanted to come to wine country, and we sent them somewhere else. Sent them to well, and I think the Oakland Hills, <laughs> where then the power got turned off there. <laughs> but I guess the other thing here is. You know, when is this going to happen again? And, you know, is it just going to keep happening? And, you know, at some point, where's the political power that comes in and says, wait a minute, this is not the best thing to do? Or is this the best thing to do? I mean, you know, that's the the question, right? This is uh, at worst, uh, you know, at best a sort of significant inconvenience in our lives. And, you know, if you have if your life depends on electricity because you're on dial you know then it becomes more of a crisis but um at, at least in the short term who's not willing to take a couple of days of you know sitting in the dark if it means not having a fire right i mean that's like right. you know how, how do you say no no we'd rather you started a fire pg yeah. um but it's clearly not it's not a viable long-term solution well that's a that's a problem there's no short-term solution you, right. you can't now take all these overhead lines that are have trees in them and then put everything like we're underground i didn't understand why we were get taken off the grid because of where we have underground power comes line. from yeah right yeah exactly and, and we're a little too close to sonoma mountain yeah and and as we saw with these helicopters going over the main transmission lines it's not it's not the power that you know feeds your house it's not those you know the service drops and the you know wooden poles it's it's the towers it's you know the the main 
transmission, the main feeds to right. entire cities, entire counties that are is clearly what they're worried about. And, you know, seriously, if if that's what they're worried about, what have they been doing for? Well, that's what I want to know. I want to look at the salaries of, of all the, their board right. and president and vice president over the last 20 years and, and see how come that money right. and wasn't stockholder ever payouts. And, right. And, you know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And on top of it all, did you see this thing where uh, the the gas division of PG&E on October 8th was partying at Silver Oak in Alexander Valley and had this big, like, you know, for all their best customers and company executives or, like, literally, you know, playing fiddles while Rome, uh, while they made sure Rome didn't burn? Yeah. Um, it's nice. like, what the fuck, guys? Bad yeah. look. Bad, Welcome to the winemaker. Bad look. No power, no pod. That's why we're recording on a Friday, and hopefully this will get out sometime soon. Uh, well, we're just going to put it out. It's it's going to have a, we'll have had a week go by is, okay. is the way it is. We I think people will understand that we had right. no ability. An extra week of listen, to get to listen to catch up on Katie Bunchu and whatever else we've talked about in the last forever. Yep. There's yeah. a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them. Oh yeah, and bumpers. We got to do some bumpers. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to. The Podfather's trying to turn us into some sort of like professional outfit here, and uh, yeah, you I know, forgot. without we Sean, were to, we were supposed to do that guidance. before we started. Well, and it is funny because I noticed when I listened to the last episode, there was this odd, like what appeared to be an ad, and then I realized that it was one of the other people on on the network, okay, on the Radio Misfits. That you know, kind of an intro. Mm. Um, so. Podfather, we're listening. But we're just we're just not recording. We're just not responding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Shannon Blanc, right? You get a Shannon Blanc, and you get a Shannon Blanc, and you get a Shannon Blanc. You have to pay taxes on it, but you get a Shannon Blanc, and you get a Shannon Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah's favorite Shannon Blanc that she's never tasted or even seen. Yeah, exactly. And probably <laughs> who never, knows? Never. Who knows? Well, That's exactly right. right. Does Oprah drink? Uh, who knows? Uh, oh, oh, she drinks. I actually have a great Oprah story. She came to stay at the Four Seasons on Maui, and uh, she I turned her on to classic Mai Tais. There's this certain Mai Tai that they would make at the hotel, and, and even one day she was, they weren't planning on She was with her girlfriends. Come here. Come and here. they weren't, they weren't planning the on drinking, but I, I turned them around and got them on the classic Mai Tais again. She's a, I think she enjoys her liquid... Uh, diet yeah um so what we're referring to is uh brian was asked to submit some wines for that he thought were perfect uh, matches for thanksgiving thanksgiving table wines yep and uh one of the wines that he submitted was the 2016 chenin blanc and they picked it right well, and submitted uh, one of Sam's wine too. I I wasn't sure of the parameters. They just said submit a few wines, and so you know, of course, I know some people that make good wine, so it wasn't we very hard. Show uh, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like what they did is picked one wine from every from all the submissions, one wine from each uh, psalm or beverage director or whatever it was. And, and you should have submitted Shannon one Blanc. as Brian Casey and one as Casey Bryan. Raj Parr. Raj Parr, yes. <laughs> Raj Parr really likes 14.5% alcohol rosé yeah. from Northern California. Yeah. Yeah, that. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's wrong with that? Oh, the Northern California thing. And the yeah. alcohol. <laughs> but yeah, but, but, so we didn't explain. So it's it's picked, there's 25 wines that were picked in Oprah Mag that is 25 wines to have with your Thanksgiving dinner. 
So uh, the Chenin Blanc has been selected as one of those. So if you are listening out there and you had any, I feel like I'm on uh, NPR doing the, the you got to donate now right. thing. If you were thinking about getting Chenin Blanc before, I would do it now <laughs> before Oprah gives it all away. <laughs> and you get a Chenin Blanc yeah. and you get a Chenin Blanc. <laughs> and then and then you want to talk about what's going on at the, at, uh, at the winery or where you're crushing grapes. You've been doing some some uh, we've been doing a little sampling of stuff and, yeah so um harvest update how about oh, that? yeah yeah, yeah. No, we, we pick grapes right so that's... you guys let's start with grapes you guys are now picking grapes every day right uh i mean we've been picking grapes every day for uh a couple of weeks but now it's like three or four crews a day um picking multiple sites uh apparently yesterday or the day before at my um they did a, a record, you know, Mycomas Winery has records that go back until, and at least the 60s, um, they picked 34 and a half bins, which means, you know, somewhere around the nature of, of 15 to 15 tons. plus tons, um, which is a daily record for Mycomas Winery. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, that's Cayman, Cayman, we're picking Cayman already, um, you know, the, we're into the thick of it. Laurel Glen, Cabernets. The Cabernets are rolling. Grenache will get rolling here uh, any day. Um, you know, it's it's um, it's in deep. And you know, of course, this little interruption this week um, has only kind of intensified that. We'll actually work through the weekend. Um, there'll be, you know, a rare Sunday pick um, this weekend because. Just gonna try and I mean, play I, catch I up guess a the I guess the nice thing about this has been with the um, the unplanned break in the action um, is that the weather has cooperated. Right. And it's you know it's not it's been cold at night, but it's been relatively you know moderate during the day. So um, it's good for hang time um, without yeah. accumulation. You know, I mean, it's not like things are drying out and raisining. Um, you know, the winds were bad, but it 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 wasn't like dehydrating wind. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, he doesn't care about squirrels. Um, oh. <laughs> we're, we're outside podcasting, but Curry won't chase a squirrel. He won't chase anything but a ball or a stick, stick or a Budwood. woman walking <laughs> off a VW bus in a skirt. Um, <laughs> the 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 thing about this windstorm, whatever you want to call it. Um, these October winds and the north wind and the low humidity is, is what we need here to finish phenolic ripeness, especially in the Cabernet. And it's not like those winds ne- didn't happen until 2017. They happened every year. Uh, and, you know, the, the, in the same way that the, you know, the Mistral of the Rhone Valley is, is crucial in there, you know, the ripening of those grapes. Um, this, you know, the Sonoma Mistral, the, the Diablo winds, the Santa Ana winds, whatever you want to call them, um, are a big part of it. So, you know, this kind of breaking the action and slowing things down and, and actually cool weather with this wind and low humidity, um, has been really good for this vintage, uh, because, you know, we were looking at some weirdness as far as, um, levels of, of sugar ripeness and, and phenolic ripeness and tannins kind of lagging behind that. Um, and I think what this has done is kind of helped balance things out a little bit. So I, yeah. you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think this has been good for this vintage, Yeah, you know, yeah. which is a bizarre thing to say. Right. Hmm. So, and then in the winery, um, 
as at least for me, the 2019 Chenin Blanc is. Wait, you uh, make Chenin Blanc? Is, <laughs> is, is, but, but, but can we can we mention though? By the way, we didn't really talk. I mean, we just said it was an Oprah magazine, but Bart brought a bottle over, and and I mean, we're drinking at room temp. And it tastes really freaking good at this temperature, which I don't think I've ever had. I mean, I've had it out of the fridge and then as it sat in my glass for a little bit, but I've never had it at this temperature. It's it's a different wine, but it's really good. I would have to say I, I really, I, you know, I'm probably a little too close to this wine, but I'd have to say that I think what I've learned about this wine is that it's been better I should. I I released it very early totally. just because I it was just gets very better every time yeah, I, I taste it. I was very it. excited about it, yeah. and um, I think it's probably tasting better now than it ever has. Is so. 2016 the first vintage from Mendocino? It is. From- yeah, yeah. Everything before that was always Clarksburg, yeah. and uh, and the wine just has a lot more complexity than anything that I made out of Clarksburg. Um, so, yeah, but sure. so yeah, the 2019 is um, almost basically done fermenting. It's all topped up. Um, my first lot of red grapes, which was the mixed blacks block from the Idell family vineyard, is pressed um, and um, all in barrels and dry. And so that's uh, always nice to have a you know tank um, pressed off and in barrels. Um, and, and now dry. and dry yeah. and dry all native yeast. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And now we're waiting on some Grenache from the Rossi Ranch. Join the club. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and so we wait for that and, you know, maybe a random uh, bin of um, Mouvedre if it ever, is there ever a chance of that? But Well, Isabel not, was just here. You should have. I know. I'm trying to be polite. I think she knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and what about you? Uh, Rosé's done Rose Rosé is done. Um, I don't know if it's done. No, those French fermentations that take forever. Um, so, it, you know, and that was... Oh, because we're talking about Audutet. Audutet and, well, uh, the Audutet, um, as well as 16600 Rosé, Isabelle is in charge of both of them. Uh, you know, the Audutet is made with the, the, the Combi protocol, um, m- meaning... Um, you know, most of it was was crushed into stemmed. It's it soaked this year for just a little over two hours before press. Um, but and then we also did uh, because the Miller Vineyard, where we made our rosé from last year, uh, produced less than half of what it produced in 2018. Um, half of it or a little over half of it went into Audutet and the other half went to Maya Kamis for the kosher rosé. Um, right. We did something that we've, n- we've never really done before where um, we did a, a basically a green drop harvest of steel plow uh, and the Rossi Ranch um, and then a, a first fruit off of a new Grenache vineyard that we picked, that we planted a couple years ago um, and pressed that, you know, very classic Provencal style, whole cluster press all together. There's some Grenache, there's some Mavedra. Actually, I think it's Mavedra from the Rossi Ranch. Um, and that is all fermenting together. So it'll be a, a 16600 Sonoma Valley Rosé. It won't be a vineyard designate. Um, and and that also is being fermented at a very, very low temperature uh, in mm. barrel. Um, so I, I don't think either of those... I think if, as soon as those go dry, Isabel will be here with samples in her hands going hey taste this so nice. she hasn't done that yet um of course you know the winery was dark so maybe she, she didn't <laughs> go in there and, and pull samples this week um so that's happening we have um we have uh homage blanc 
in which is fermenting in a concrete egg at Stone Edge, um, which I'm excited about. So we're doing most of it. How did you swing that? You know, uh, this year they like us. Um, not you know they have they have concrete eggs. They have a couple of concrete eggs there. Right now they're doing a Sauv Blanc Semillon for Stone Edge in one, and then our homage Blanc in another. Um, that, cool. Yeah, that exactly. sounds like the perfect vessel actually for uh, that vineyard. It's totally for white. Yeah, it's yeah. totally exactly what it, what it needs. Um, so I'm excited about that. It tastes it tastes really good. Um, so we're doing most of it in concrete, and we also have some some stainless and some barrel. Um, we have 28 or 2019 Viognier from the Steel Plow Vineyard, which actually probably is pretty close to finished. Um, that was fermenting in in stainless and will go into neutral. Um, and Simon's Vineyard Marsan. Um, the new, the new rock star at the tasting house. Yeah, exactly. Brian's new favorite wine, um, (laughs) is, uh, fermenting in, in neutral barrels. Um, and, and we've picked red grapes also. We've picked, um, Zinfandel from our house, Zinfandel from the Dos Limones Vineyard and, and a couple of those Zinfandel sites. Um, you know, those are just starting to go. Only one of those is really in a place where it needed temperature control this week, which was good. Yeah. Um, everything else is still pretty cold. Um, and on what day did the power go out? Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday morning, we harvested um, the Syrah from the Dos Limones Vineyard that we co-fermented with uh, skins from the Viognier. Oh, nice. So that's that. You know, probably will start kicking up pretty soon here. Right. Um, yeah. And. Did we do anything else? We picked a bunch of grapes that day. I think that was, then we did Zinfandel that day also. Yep. So, um, you know, we're, we're in the thick of it. I think we're done with Zin. Um, we have, and I think we're done with Syrah. We did Syrah from Rossi Ranch also. Um, so now, yeah, we're waiting on Grenache and Cab. Um, and Grenache from where? Grenache from... from Ro- wait, wait, where not? Wait, where Grenache are we not from? getting Grenache from? Uh, yeah. So the Rossi Ranch, Steel Plow, Mutras Piedras, and Oakville Ranch. Is that it? I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. And then uh, Cabernet from the Severson Vineyard uh, over in, in Barton Mize neighborhood. Uh, and then Simon's Cabernet, which will be... You know, it's always the last thing that we pick hmm. uh, down there in that bowl between the estate and, and Caymans where it stays cold. Um, nice. So that's that's where we're at. Um, Brian, so, what about your harvest? Oh, yeah, Brian. We, for well, the one-eyed monster. I'm going to have to refer to Barda. I mean, the last time I tasted the Roussan, it tasted great. It was um, down considerably in, in bricks and the... The, the it tastes completely different than the than the two days before when I tried it when it tastes like I mean it literally tasted like just pear juice it, it's, um, it's with, made the change it's starting to taste like wine now. yeah totally it's starting to and you get the acidities coming out too a little bit so so it's good but I don't know that you know out being out of touch for the last two or three days then I'm sure it's getting close to finishing fermentation and um and then we'll, then it's just a wait and stir it every once in a while. Just planning on stirring it, you know, once a week and letting it get some body and weight and richness to it, and and then just drink drink some every now and then. So, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Drink taste. it until it makes you feel good. Right. Taste, taste, taste. Well, um, I mean, what what has been a uh, something from this year? What has been something from making wine? 
that surprised you? And what's something that was maybe a fear of yours that um, wasn't that big a deal? And or maybe has this been is, realized. Yeah, or maybe that's this is too early to talk about, but... No, no, I get, the biggest fear for me was that the wine wouldn't go into, that it wouldn't, you know, immediately go into fermentation or do it on its own, where I, I, I really didn't want to do anything with the wine. Like, they're beautiful grapes, the juice is beautiful, so I just didn't want to have to do anything to manipulate the wine at all. I just wanted it to have a natural journey, and that's happened so far. So that cool. that was the worst fear of being like, oh, shit, there's a problem to just get it fermenting. And then, then choices have to be made, and I was hoping not to make any choices to let the wine make choices. So that's been good. Um, surprising was, shit, I guess being out there in the vineyard actually picking the grapes, It's that, it, it, I mean, it was just cool. Right. It's cool to be out there on the back of the tractor and they're putting the grapes in there and those are your grapes that you're going to make wine with. That's a cool feeling. Mm. So it was, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised cause I didn't think I'd be able to do that. We were just kind of showing up thinking that's going to be the, the white guy tourist looking down on the, <laughs> the people picking his grapes and going, Oh yeah. Thank yeah, you. You had to get on that tractor and go to yeah. work. Yeah, no, that was good. And then, you know, everyone's been super helpful and everyone is willing to give advice and, um, I'm open to to everything, but I think you know Bart and I have had a good experience that the wine has just kind of let itself do its thing, and I think it's going to be really, really good. <laughs> That's the plan. Now, there is something about harvest day, the pick day, um, and you know the the especially kind of the way Enterprise Vineyards um, divides our regions and our crews, for the most part the the crew that has worked that vineyard all year is the crew that's picking the grapes uh-huh. and i and i think that um there's some there's some magic there where you know those guys are are sort of realizing the culmination of of you know a year's worth of effort um and that just sort of adds to the the energy that's out there and then well there's uh, a lot of pride in ownership yeah with that, totally that. and you know and we also like really um, you know, everything that we're making is going to get crushed and macerated and all these things are going to happen to it. But, um, you know, our goal is to deliver a high quality food product to the winery that gets our grapes. So it's not like, you know, those guys go crazy fast. They're not going so fast that they're doing a bad job. No, no, not at all. They're they're, actually having fun. There's a lot of shit talking going on. There's a lot of shit talking, uh, (laughs) especially on Miguel's crew. right. Right, right. And it, you know, and it was a beautiful day too. It's not like you're in you're in super heat or it's, you're out in the rain. I mean, this is a beautiful morning in a beautiful vineyard, and and uh, and you got Isabel out there, um, and and uh, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it's definitely a morning I'll never forget. Right. And getting there before the sun even came up, and um, seeing how dark it was out there, and then and then having the lights come up and showtime. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope you know, and I can see why it's addictive. Right. Um, <laughs> I can see wanting to do it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a sickness, and you now yeah. you have it. Right. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's welcome really back, under- Jasmine. Jasmine just yeah, served us Jasmine. a little welcome water back. out here. I know. It's a month good in to see France. Polyvoo Francais. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that the only language she learned was whatever they speak in Amsterdam, right? <laughs> and, English. Yeah. <laughs> and if do you want people to follow you on Instagram? Should we give uh, your no, handle I out really there? Can. So what is it? I think it's Jazz Egan. G- 
So J A Z E G A N. And you can see Go. Jasmine's trip. We were very jealous, <laughs> but we were trying to right. not not be uh, too distracted by Jasmine's trip. We were doing our own thing here, but letting her you know, do her thing and not bother her at all. Just letting her have her month off with her. And there was also a couple of times where we were just like, put your phone down and yeah. right. go party a little bit, Jasmine. Right. Or maybe see, stop throwing this in our face, but I, whatever. I wasn't worried that that wasn't happening. All right, fair enough. Yeah, no, <laughs> knowing, knowing Jasmine and her parents, and I was like, no, that's happening. Yeah. Which is saying something. Uh, that's the thing is you don't get you don't no hangovers in France. It's a climactic. Uh, nah. <laughs> well, you were you were missed here because I I mean I don't know how many times Paul said when's Jasmine coming back. <laughs> so I think I think about two weeks was about enough of me, and then he was really ready for you to come home. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to see you for sure. Oh yeah, it's it's really good to be back. Been yeah. an interesting uh, visit to Sonoma, coming home and having to camp in my house. But um, right. power's back on. The weather's beautiful, and the wine's tasting great. Yep. Nice. Sign her up. And you're me. still engaged, correct? I'm still engaged. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, the parents brought us closer. <laughs> okay, I bet. Yeah. yeah. We, we we loved our time together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how that that happens at work too. When there's a boss that everyone really hates, it it, it like makes this great team. <laughs> oh yeah, it <laughs> definitely solidarity. <laughs> it's it's a bonder <laughs> we, we for sure. The, the root of all my flaws. So. <laughs> yeah. And and he didn't take the ring back. <laughs> He cooked for us most times, and my mom was like, I can't believe he's doing all the cooking. And I was just like, it's his time alone from us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, mom. Don't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Made risotto for the first time. Yeah. We did a lot of cooking, but went to a lot of amazing places, too. Can't yeah. stop thinking about Chateauneuf de Pop, though. So that, yeah. that was definitely the highlight of wines. Mission accomplished from our ends here. Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Definitely missing Anne Charlotte and the people at La Baroche. Oh, oh really I, uh, Nicole Rollet is flying into town tonight. She will be in Napa tomorrow. She's meeting with some people about her great minds, great wines. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, um, Shout out Shannon. Yeah, that was Shana her first Blue. stop, Shen Blue. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty incredible. Yeah, so she, I'm trying to rope her into coming in and see me at the Fairmont um, tomorrow night. They got to get it freaking open, though. Um, I think tomorrow we're going to do dinner service. So, yeah, even, you know, even when you turn on the power, it's like if the cooks haven't been there for two or three days, there's, they can't do prep work fast enough to open up the restaurant. So everything has to be redone from scratch, which, you know what, that's, that would be my favorite night to come into the restaurant would be tomorrow night. Everything is like, yeah, it came in that day or the day before and was prepped. So, I mean, that is one thing about this whole power out thing is it's not like flip the switch back on and everything gets back to normal there's definitely yeah. uh you know starting with our own brains uh a couple of days of kind of putting things back in order and and getting back to normal life around here yeah i just feel bad for the people that came here to visit it's like they're coming to wine country and then right uh, three years in a row we've sort of scared people right well, it's just not not exactly yeah Sonoma County tourism um, shit that's been happening the last three years. So as as Jasmine just said, skies are clear, sun is shining, yeah, winds are calm, yeah, and the lights are on. So. Yep. 
and the leaves are just starting to change colors. I know. And it's cool when you drive by the vineyards now and you see the starting to turn gold and purple and red and yeah. That is something that, you know, New England gets all the hype. Um we do we do some fall colors here. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 worth this is a great time to be here. There's a couple trees that are um when you're heading from Glen Ellen to like Matanzas Creek and you, you you're on um whatever the road is to hook up with uh with bennett valley but when you Creek make that when, when yeah. you, no 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 coming from glen warm Island, so you're on warm oh, springs yeah, yeah. road and then you take a left onto um um bennett valley road and there's a house that has this really long um front yard like pasture and the, a lot of times you see deer out there but they have these two or three trees um, that every year when they turn color, it's almost it's like looking at something that's not even real. I think like, they're Chinese pistachios <clears throat> or yeah. ornamental pistachios. I mean, you drive by them and it's like you're looking at a computer screen. Like yeah. you can't believe the the vibrancy of the color, right. and that it's just amazing. Well, I've that's been. what we make here in Sonoma is, you know, desktop backgrounds and yeah, uh, no shit, right? right? Wasn't that uh, <clears throat> some like Windows ninety seven or something that was and you know yeah, and, and, I, and I think now it's vineyards and houses right <laughs> well that used to be my favorite drive was between Nevada and Petaluma because you have the rolling green hills in the in the wintertime and then the rolling brown hills in the summertime now it's oh, I hate that fucking drive because the freeway that they're working on those fucking gelati brothers oh shit did I just say that yeah you might uh, not this podcast is going nice on hiatus for about <laughs> right. a year I will be in somewhere else encased in concrete somewhere on highway yeah. 101 but man I just wish they'd finish that freeway because it's just not fun anymore well this is the classic california highway improvement that takes 10 years to get it approved and then by the time they're done um now it's not big enough for what the new <laughs> the new traffic uh, volume uh, is i, I just know, don't understand third it at lane all, in all that time to have the same two lanes i don't get yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> wow what was this has been quite an point? episode yeah yeah <laughs> This will be our last episode because three of us are getting disappeared. Yeah. Well, let's, let's say shout out to John Myers, who I guess pissed off the Kleins. If you're wondering where John Myers has been, we're, we don't know. Somewhere uh, in Contra Costa, I think, yeah. or could be Red Bluff, or yeah, buried some, up to his neck in sand. There's some holes he's out there. Not getting phylloxera, so he's got yeah. that. <laughs> Own rooted John Myers. Yeah. Um, let's get a shout out for Vinyl Sunday. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. The last one of the season, we have uh, uh, David Gans, who's sort of a legendary Grateful <coughs> Dead radio personality. He had the Grateful Dead Hour. He does a show on Sirius XM on on Sundays called Tales from the Golden Road. So he will be here uh, broadcasting live Tales of the Golden Road with a photographer, dead, you know, Grateful Dead world photographer named Jay Blakesburg. He's got a new book out, and then uh, David will play, uh, I think it's all original music, with his band, the Yerba Buena Orchestra, um, and then Food by Ali and Alex, uh, some of our, our dynamic pasta-making duo out of uh, Sebastopol. So that is the 27th of October from, from 2 to 5 right here in the backyard of the Tasting House. Yeah, and if you haven't been to a Vinyl Sunday... They're you, like, nah, the, you know. You you're, you are missing out. I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was so bummed that I was working the last one because I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I would have liked to. But it was a it was a good, solid party. That's the new normal, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Take it up to eleven. Yeah, and what else <laughs> we got? Uh, if you're a sixteen six hundred 
Phil sent me member. Um, we're working on our fall shipment. Of course, that got delayed while we were, had no power because we couldn't print packing slips or didn't want to open the cellar door. Uh, right. So if you're a club member, wines are coming. Uh, check your email. If you didn't see it, uh, call us up and make sure you're on the list. If you're not on the list... Why are you not on that list? Right. Um, the, the Todd Jolly was, you know, we were yep. hoping to get him here today. Can we, can we talk about the, uh, the, the tasting? His, yeah, the Historic Vineyard Society <clears throat> has their annual tasting uh, being hosted at Sonoma's Best this year or this time. And I'm looking for the date. Someone help me out here. Wow. Uh, the 7th. Dead air. November 7th. November 7th. Phil just texted me and said, call ASAP, so I'm calling Phil. Okay. Um, so uh, November 7th at Sonoma's Best Historic Vineyard Society, um, Joel Peterson will be there um, pouring his once and once a future future wines, yep. and I know a number of other people. Um, get tickets at the Historic Vineyard Society uh, website. I think it's historicvineyards.org. And even if it's not, just call Sonoma's Best in, in uh, Sonoma Todd. and just ask for Todd, and he'll tell you how to get tickets and um, if they're sold out or not. But you, did you go to that last time? I did. It's a great uh, tasting. It's a yeah. great tasting. So basically, just tell people kind of what the, what it, the deal it's, is. It's a walk-around tasting, and um, there were six different uh, winemakers there pouring wines from uh, these vineyards that have been deemed historic. Which um, means... 50 think, years old or older, right? Okay. Right. Right, right. Talk about the Historic Vineyard Society a little bit. It was started by was, Tegan... Uh, Pasalacqua, Morgan, and, and Peterson, and um, somebody else, Mike Officer. Mike Officer, right. So, and basically, you know, there, and we've had it's a great episode to go back and listen to. We've had we've had Morgan on, we've had Tegan on. Maybe we should get Mike. Um, and the whole idea is to to put some um, cachet on these old vineyards, um, you know, especially in in places where. You know, the sort of dueling forces against against them because old vines don't produce the same yield as as young vines. Um, so econo- there's economic forces. You know, lots of times there are varieties that maybe aren't the most economically viable as well. So old vines in, in Napa say that, you know, are threatened by Cabernet. Old vines in Contra Costa County and places like that that are threatened by um, you know, housing expansion and things like that. So, what they've done with the old vine historical vine society is, you know, sort of provide a platform for these vineyards to be to be showcased, um, and, and you know, with the wines that are made from hide them from your dad. Yeah, exactly. Hide them from you know, <laughs> Phil's never seen a vineyard he didn't want to pull out, um, and and from there, you know, allow those vineyards to survive a little bit as kind of our. You know the the agricultural you know living history of touchstones of, marker points. I mean, yeah. You, yeah. So it's uh, it's and you know and it's not everybody thinks old vine Zinfandel and mixed blacks and things like that. But um, you know in within that grouping, there's you know the Chardonnay at Hanzel and you know the Alta Vista Gravertz demeanor that that Morgan makes and um, you know the Portis white you know mixed whites that are. Uh, you know, up there by Bartholomew Park, and that's just I'm just, you know, here in Sonoma Valley, all over yeah. the state. There's, there's amazing old vine vineyards, that um, you know these guys have been able to sort of get the recognition they deserve, and and hopefully in in many cases, you know, keep them from uh, the bulldozer. Yeah, a few uh, more dollars per ton. Yeah, exactly. 
and and more than that, just contracts. Right, that the just get sold. the grapes sold, and um, so that's it's a it's a cool thing, and you know, it just happens to be um, one of the most talented collection of of winemakers yeah. in California. Um, you know, so it uh, it doesn't. It's not just let's drink these wines and make these wines because the vines are old. It's go to a historical vineyard society event because. It's the shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What else? Um, you know what? I want to give a shout out to a listener on Instagram. He's known as Dirty Wine Glass Guy. Yes, I've seen um, this. Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy uh, started out with hitting up the bottle barn, asking the bottle barn to put together a winemaker's pod um, uh, package uh, that they could order, trying to get a selection of these wines from winemakers we've had on in one shipment. Um, and and it's, it is a great Barry, idea. Barry, are you listening? Yeah, and so we need to talk to Barry and see if maybe they can put something together for that. In the meantime, I volunteered to uh, collect his wines for him and ship it out to him. So, Jeremy, thank you. Awesome. Um, we're uh, collecting the wines. I've got a few of them, and uh, we'll get them out to you here before too long. Uh, the Chenin Blanc coming in that, I would imagine. Is is <laughs> uh, is this Chenin Blanc the the bottle that's at Bottle Barn right now? It is, yep. And yep. can you order it online? Yes, you can. Uh-huh. Yes, you can. Uh, online but, at danesellers.com. Yeah, exactly. Or, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Or, or, or head over there to um, uh, Bottle Barn, and um, we're, we're, we're right there. If, right you, if you need immediate gratification. Right. Exactly. Right. If and you a need bottle it, of Mezcal. If you need Go it, to the Bottle tonight. Barn. And right. there's also, I, I know there's still a little Autotet uh, Rosé over there. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I saw that. There's a whole bunch of good wine over there. So, uh, so I've actually two things that I want to talk about. You, you, did I interrupt you? No, you go okay. right ahead. So uh, another shout out to a listener who, who came into the tasting room, Zoel, um, who had read these articles about uh, oversupply and, and grapes and wine and, and problems in you know sort of the wine business right now. And I kind of wanted, we talked about it, but I told her we'd address it a little bit on, on the show. Um, so, I, you know, um, Esther Mobley with The Chronicle put out an article. Yeah. I'm sorry, but... Is there a reason that Esther has not been on our show? Uh, n- I was just tracking her the other day, and she, I see well, a picture of her with right your now. Right, she's in Tokyo, but right. I saw a picture of her with your dad, and so I'm thinking, oh, maybe she. I mean, that's she, a that's a good one. Why? Anybody out there? I, I email her every once in a while. Every time I've ever emailed her to invite her to something, uh, oh, so press event, she's anyone out there, declined. any any winemakers, or whatever. If you know Esther Mobley, we'd love to have her on the on the show. I think I that'd think be super be, cool. She'd be a good one. Right. We'll uh, we'll holler at okay. Esther. Okay. okay. So. Right now, what's happening in in the grape business? Um, and there's a lot of grapes going unsold, and you know some some farmers, especially, are kind of the ones who take the brunt of it. And and what that's about is there a, a there's a few things. You know, I, I think the easy target is White Claw. Stop drinking White Claw. Go back to drinking wine. Um, the the 2018 so 2017, you know, had flooded the bulk market with mostly smoke tainted wine um 2018 was this giant vintage so the bulk market is flooded again there and then there's a sort of giant elephant in the room um which is this transfer of 30 mostly you know low-end brands from constellation to gallo and that's being held up by i think it's the ftc or the sec some you know federal regulators because they're both 
publicly traded companies huh. making sure that all things these things are on the up and up. But what happened is there's these 30 brands that are now sort of in limbo as far as what they're doing in 2019. And they were the people who would like kind of swoop in at the end and, you know, buy up all the uncontracted fruit at, right. at discount prices. They're not buying anything right now. Wow. So there's a, a bunch of people who, you know, kind of relied on that and, and that would sort of lift up the bottom end. Uh, so now people are, you know, at the the bottom end, you know, uncontracted fruit are having a hard time um, finding buyers for all of it. Uh, and and it's led to oversupply in, in the wine world. So the other thing that's happening, um, and, you know, shout out to my buddy Lyle Foss in, in New York who's dealing with this from European wine, but this all these trade war things that are happening, um, one piece of it is... You know, there was a huge, you know, the Chinese market is huge, especially for California wine. Right now, it's 100% tariffs to get wine from California to China. And so that market has slowed considerably. So you have this other um, sort of pressure coming from, so you have this bottom end fallout, and then you have this pressure from the top end um, where all this wine that was, you know, mostly high-end Cabernet that was supposed to go to China that's that's not moving. Mm. Um, and I th- there was some crazy number of, like, 40 million gallons. I don't know the exact number of, of unsold Cabernet in California right now. That sort of, you know, so we have this squeezing from, from both ends. Um, so it's a great time to go and, and support you know the smaller, you know, smaller farmers, smaller wineries. Um, you know people who don't necessarily rely on either side of that, but um, are kind of caught in the the crossfire on it. Um, yeah. So hopefully I answered some of your questions as well. And if you have other questions about that, definitely hit us up on on Twitter and, and Instagram. And happy to talk the boring business side of uh, <laughs> the wine. You know, it's not all tasting and playing in vineyards and. It, there is, you know, frolicking, sell great, sell wine and grapes. Everyone, I mean, it is amazing how many phone calls I've received from people um, yeah. wanting to know if did I know anybody that was looking for not two tons of Chardonnay, right? But twenty tons of Chardonnay right. or forty tons of Chardonnay. Wow. Um, now I did talk to Steve San Giacomo the other day, and he was pretty optimistic about this year, and he thought that they were like seventy-five percent done, and that this week they might wrap things up. But right. I'm sure the power issue pushed that back a little bit for them um but yeah a lot of fruit for sale um i think there's a lot of fruit that's not going to get picked yeah Yeah. the one local winery made some big changes this year and like dumped a bunch of their contracts because phone calls were all coming about one particular winer which i thought was really interesting you don't want to say i don't know shug oh okay you know they made some major changes this year you know fired their winemaker two weeks before harvest and then dumped a bunch of contracts right so you makes you wonder like what's going on out there right no i mean i you know i think that um you know there's been massive expansion both in in wineries and in you know acres planted over the past decade or so yep. um and it's all kind of catching up you know there's going to be a little uh adjustment in the market um and again it's, you know kind of emphasizes you have your favorite places um go throw them some throw them some business but also you know people who like show up on the podcast because that's who we you know try and focus is is you know on the smaller family-owned kind of places and um, you know the ones again that might be sort of caught in this in this sort of market pressure yeah. crossfire. Yeah, I, would, I didn't think about that. That the sparkling wine must be. I would think 
would be the one most affected by a product like White Claw. Just because it's sort of a, it's a beginning, a lot of times it's yeah. the beginning of the journey. And so, I, I and it's I, also a sparkling product, which is, and it's sort of that fun, um, kind of whimsical sort of drinking. Whereas, you know, opening up a bottle of wine at dinner is sort of a it's it's a different experience. But I think also, you know, it, uh, rose probably took a hit with I that. Think, yeah. Wine in the can took a hit from White Claw because it's day drinking. Also, you know, I was just recently at the. Uh, there was a uh, the Safeway Open, which is a, a PGA golf tournament in Napa and Silverado, and um, there were white claw cans all <laughs> over that course, and like you know people. Oh um, my god! So th- that had to take a hit, you know, yeah. in here in wine country, and they have all these wineries that are sponsoring this thing, and, and they've all drinking. And, and everybody's drinking white claw. And I know that's just a golf tournament, but it's still representative of the Bay Area. You know, I mean, again, there's another Esther article that talked about, you know, they did a a White Claw review, they did a a, a hard seltzer, whatever these things are called. Uh, And then, you know, in the Bay Area, White Claw sales from 2018 to 2019 grew like 800%. Yeah. Um, And this is, you know, the heart of of all of this. So um, I, I definitely think. White Claw put a lot of pressure on, again, that sort of lower end of the of the market sales. I think that there's a lot of rosé that, you know, and, and, you know, again, wine in the can and, and sort of those more casual drinking kind of... Um, and remember, these hard seltzers, a lot of them are wine-based. So the alcohol, the alcohol they're getting from. is from wine. So, you know, whether it's distilled down um, or diluted down... Um, it, that a lot of it is wine based. Where all that smoke tain alcohol went? Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that White Claw caused serious medical problems. Definitely. And I've makes- just heard that. I don't know. I mean, pe- <laughs> they they say they that said, they right? say. People are saying. That, I read it on the it, internet. That, I definitely saw it on the internet. And definitely, you know, it doesn't make you look <laughs> as cool as drinking Chenin Blanc. <laughs> I mean, although we would can some Chenin Blanc if there was a market for it. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, someone just I just saw on uh, Instagram, someone down in Paso had a very, very nice package of some canned Chenin Blanc, I have to say. I have to. I Did I send is. you a picture of that? Maybe that's what it yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, the canned wine thing is, is interesting. It's actually, it has canned wine sales are one of the things that took a hit, you know, big slump this summer. Um, but, you know, and again, it's all about, there's this, like... There's this other force about, you know, uh, the health aspect of it, and that's one of the things that sort of drove the seltzer market this summer was that, like, somehow it was a healthier alternative than right. drinking other things. Well, it's a lot less calories than beer. Well, it's like drinking a Pellegrino that gets you buzzed. Right. right. I mean, that's calories. kind of the idea. Is, yeah, it's like... But it's still lower calories right, than, than, than most beer. Most beer and probably most wine. Yeah. Um, and definitely cocktails, yeah. But the thing is, you know... I, you drink a glass of wine or you drink five cans of white claw and kind of all and the other thing about the wine the canned wine um which is a problem that people are sort of still grappling with you have a regular sized can you know soda can size or beer can size that is that is a multi-serving vessel um you know if you have a can of beer that's one serving of beer, right? If you have a can yeah. of Chenin Blanc that's the same size, it's probably three servings. 
Yeah, I mean, in case you don't know, what we pour at the restaurant is six ounces. So a glass is what we consider six ounces. A bottle is 25.36 ounces. So it's you, it's a little over four glasses of wine. So when you're getting, if you're getting a 12 ounce can, yeah, you get that's, that's two, automatically that's two glasses. That's two glasses. Yeah. But it goes down a lot faster than normally two glasses does. Well, it's a, <laughs> you have to look at it this way: it's a half a bottle of wine. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, those larger cans of of wine and can there, it's 375 yeah. mils. It's right. And so can I just say, I have no problem with the the size of your can. The um, <laughs> what I what I actually I love those one liter bottles. That they sell a lot of times for Alvarino or um, oh, there's or Verdello, Vino Verde, or, Vino Verde or whatever. It has a crown cap on it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's brilliant, especially since typically it's lower alcohol. But uh, Brian here advocating for larger formats of wine for sure, definitely for sure. You're gonna do all crown cap liter bottles of uh, the One Eyed Monster? No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I, you know what I was thinking about? Black bottles. Does anyone do that? Uh, I mean, not a lot of white wine sold in black bottles, but right? I support it. Yeah, right? totally. So you, you can't even see the color. You know, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. As, as somebody right? who's going to be in direct competition who made Roussan from the same vineyard, right. I fully support that idea. Right. You're in so much right. trouble because my label is going to pop off that black bottle. It's going to be amazing. someone who's going to have to help you sell this wine, I'm going to say, wait a minute, right. wait somebody a minute. Who's and it's all about light blonde. reduction. I got a whole thing already. <laughs> and a black cork too. All right. uh, yeah. and <laughs> oh, hey, hi Roger Randall, Are you enjoying the show? <laughs> <laughs> All questions He's, and orders for black bottle Roussan, please divert to Mountain, Mountain Cabernet, Cabernet at gmail dot com. Please, uh, please hit him up. So I just got up a minute ago. I had a, a call ASAP. Important email, text message from my father. Um, it was, I don't know, I put it on Instagram the other day, it was like my a screenshot of my voicemail messages was 15 calls from Phil that just said, you know, two second messages, call me back, call me back, call me back, call me back, <laughs> hey, yeah, call me back, yeah, call me back, hey, call me back. Um, so this is what my life is right now. Um, he was calling urgently to tell me that um, our... Sangiovese from Dos Limones is ready to pick. And so we're going to do 100% Sangiovese. We're also going to do Super a co-ferment Tuscan. Super Tuscan with Cabernet. Yes. Our, however, our Cabernet site is is not ready yet. Um, and we're making this wine with Eric Bradley. Eric has just... Uh, we're going to do a little swap and get one of Phil's favorite... A ton of grapes from one of Phil's favorite blocks of Cabernet that, that Eric oversees that we're going to co-ferment. So uh, look for co-ferment, Super Tuscan, Cabernet, Sangiovese. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. I love that. I love the, what just happened. I love that little interaction where they worked it out. Right. And the shit's going to happen. Shit's going to happen. And we and That's Sonoma has, right there. He has some large format barrels for our Dutet. Uh, you know, all these things that we were been this freaking is, out of for a right. month are like now resolved. This has been my experience on a smaller level. Right. <laughs> Three <laughs> barrels of- <laughs> On a very, right. very much smaller level, but yeah. it's it's so awesome. Yeah. Hey, Paul, how's the 2019 vintage? <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect timing. That was so weird. Oh, man. Uh, wow. Yeah, all right. that <laughs> this has been another episode. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, go to danesellers.com. Get your Chenin Blanc before it's gone. Before Oprah gives it all away. Go to 16600. We've been talking about it for two years. The entire time we've been <laughs> on the podcast, we've right. been selling 2016 Chenin Blanc. And you get a Chenin Blanc. And you get a Chenin Blanc. <laughs>
It's only available by the case and in one liter crown cap. Right. <laughs> in black. In black bottles. And look for it to be found in the Rhone soon. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. We will see you on Vinyl Sunday. If you want to look, uh, check out past episodes, uh, go to look at past episodes. Subscribe, review. <laughs> oh, yeah, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe button, button. Hit the reviews. That's how people find out about it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, even if you don't like it, tell them it's great. Uh, yeah, and it sounds like we don't care, anyway. but but we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and, and, one more. <laughs> shout out to Tom Einers from uh, Cliff Family. Oh, uh, yeah. He hosted some friends of mine last minute were in town. Uh, they went by. They had a great time. So yeah, If you much. ever want to have a thoughtful tasting of wine up on Howl Mountain, I highly recommend. Well, I mean, you can listen to that podcast where you can just go up and... and um, taste with them yourself, but listen and go. Listen and go. Listen and go. Yeah, no, that was really fun. Fact, that was, uh, we're, this is the longest closing ever, yeah, totally. for, even for us. I, I think uh, I don't think it's anything new. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, uh, yeah, listen to the end. That was one of the things that Jasmine was doing in in France on their way to Shannon Blue. She Shannon Blue. Chen Blue, Chen Blanc, whatever. You get a Chen Blue. You get a Chen Blue. You get a Blue Tree, and you get a Blue. She in their rental car. Put that episode of the podcast on, so as her you know, her parents and and Ian who didn't weren't as familiar knew what was going on as they pulled up uh, you That's know in the awesome. top of the chicken dot. So you, um, you know I highly recommend listen to the podcast and go to the winery and and you know you'll be more informed probably than most of the people that are pouring the wine. That's awesome. We could yeah. do like a travel podcast for going to visit wineries. Yeah. Listen to it before you get there. But if, then what's the point? I don't know. <laughs> then you go there, you're like, yeah, I know, that's Fred, that's Fred. Yeah, we know everything, uh, right. and we want, just want to buy the Shannon Blanc. <laughs> um, God, I had something else I wanted to mention. Tune in next week when Brian remembers what he's going to say. <laughs> uh, oh, it was your it's, uh, someone else who's on our podcast network uh, did a podcast with your dad. Oh, yeah, she, uh, uh, planted with uh, Sarah Pan, who's, who's in the cannabis industry in San Francisco, has a new podcast, I think. They've put out like three or four episodes, and the most recent one is uh, an interview with with Phil talking about, you know, growing things and sunshine and, uh, you know, a little bit of the history of both, you know, the wine business and and this crazy dynamic changing world of uh, cannabis in California. Phil still calls it pot because he's a dinosaur. It's a pot podcast. <laughs> it's the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's a it's great awesome. name anyway. Awesome. Yeah, check out that podcast, um, and we will... Uh, that's it, right? Yeah. Oh, and the bike goes on. Always check out the bike. Oh, yeah. Always, if you want to talk about food, go to the bike goes on. We had some right. really cool um, people on but with kitchen table advisors, and all they do is they get together with uh, farmers and gi- give them support because um, they don't always get support. So, right. yeah, check that out. We will look forward to talking to you next week. Wine, weed, and food. With power. Hopefully with power. Right. Peace no out. No power, no pod. <laughs>